You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. And this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. The New York Knicks are one of the biggest underdog surprises of the season, so you could probably make some money off the backs of players like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Julius Randle. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 34, as the New York Rangers fall in overtime against the Buffalo Sabres and lose one of the most valuable points that they could have had all season long. Andy, man, I'm sorry I I fumbled that word, but I got to ask you, how are you doing? Uh, You know, I'm a little full. I just ate my breakfast. Personally, doing pretty okay. I had my first uh, shot yesterday, so arms a little sore and a little fatigued, but nothing too bad. Watching uh, both those performances by the Rangers, you can almost say, you know, credit, listen, first off, credit to the Sabres. They're clearly tired of losing. I do think that that new system they're trying to play under Granado is definitely benefiting them because they've, they've competed hard these last uh, two games. You can tell they don't have quite have the talent the Rangers have, but at the same time, they're able to tie up both games, get both games to overtime. You know, they lose the Rangers win an OT um, in the first game. Uh, but then, yeah, they, they Buffalo hangs on. They make it to the shootout. And, yeah, Rangers fall in the shootout in that second one. So you have to, you know, I don't I don't want this to say that, like, we obviously we think the Rangers should have got points, but you got to give Buffalo credit. They're clearly trying to turn a page here, either for contracts or to showcase themselves to future teams or, 
whatever. And they competed hard both games. So, you know, well, they, it's, it's not just the Rangers being bad. But to that point, these, <clears throat> like I said, there was clearly a talent discrepancy on the ice and the Rangers didn't do themselves many favors in these games. They clearly, we've seen them play better. They, they were, I would say they were dan- like, they played maybe two good periods out of the, the six, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, in my mind. And just, there was a lot of sloppiness and lethargy and just, they were playing almost not to lose two games versus the Sabres. When those are the games you have to really put the pedal down. And it's frustrating when you see them really take it to teams like the, the Bruins and Washington, because they're like, these are the big boys. But if you can't assert your will over the teams that are, you know, weaker on paper, then that's kind of a problem. I think that's just a, I think that's also a symptom of them just being young and still a little too inconsistent to really put everything together, you know. But um, and, uh, you know, we'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about Kraftsoft draws in the lineup finally in that second game. Uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah, there's plenty to talk about. But what were your thoughts on on those games? Well, of course, the New York Rangers, you know, they get the Sabres on an uptrend, right? They get four point. They're they're on a four point game streak, which means they've gotten points in their last four games. Uh, they seem to found an identity, you know, towards the end of the season, playing for each other. They got the coaching change happening, and you're absolutely right. They're they're playing a system where they're they're playing with a little bit more energy. They're not waiting for the play to come to them, and and you know, they're playing with a lot of pride. So you got to give Buffalo credit. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, the Rangers, you have to expect that, you know, you're not going to play the Buffalo Sabres team that's in the midst of a 17 game losing streak. You know, you got the Sabres on an uptrend and you know that you're going to get their best hockey. They're playing at home. They're playing for each other. And those are the games that are sometimes the toughest where they're, you know, you're not, it's, you're not, you know, always pumped to get up for these games, but you know, on paper, they're the must-win games. They're the two points that you have to have. And, you know, it's so frustrating to watch the Rangers, you know, take this team to overtime twice, but I feel like it was unnecessary to take this team to overtime, you know? Yeah. They collapse in the last five minutes of the game to allow this team to tie it up. And then, you know, you get away with it the first game, right? Uh, that's fine. And we get the W, we get two points. And I think you said last podcast, it didn't really matter if you if you won these games in overtime because Buffalo's that far uh, below you, but you have to have that second point. Yeah. And for them to cough up two leads in the last five minutes is really concerning against the Buffalo Sabres. And I don't know, Andy, it it goes to the point where, you know, mentally you just don't know where this team is at sometimes. And at the beginning of the season, you felt like the Rangers had a tough time starting these games. Right, they got out to a flat start. Uh, they'd either give up a goal in the first five minutes and be down a couple, and then you know they finally get going towards the the middle of the game. And then now, the New York Rangers, it's like the opposite. They start playing really well, and they and and then all of a sudden, you know that that one goal lead they have in the last five minutes is almost like a guarantee, you know, blown lead. And you know we saw it the last two games against the Buffalo Sabers, and it's just it's it's not good. Yeah, you know it's. It's funny because I think it's one of those things where up and down the lineup, uh, and that includes the coaching staff, it's just the it's inconsistent. It's like, you know, at times you see Quinn shortening the bench, so it's clear he's trying to win games, but you could almost argue that sometimes, you know, he's not getting much out of one of his top two lines when it would be better to feed the kids minutes. And you know, and I understand on one half it's on one hand, because yeah, I mean 
the kid line has been pretty inconsistent, but at the same time, you have a player like Heedle who's not playing a lot of minutes, but he's got important goals in the last couple of games, right? He's, you know, until he didn't score this last game, but he scored an important goal in, in the Sabres, you know, to get them on the board against the Sabres. Yeah. Uh, and then the first game, and then, and then he scored in that uh, victory over the Capitals. So, you know, he's a guy that even though it's like, I don't know if it's, like I said, it's the management with the injury, and, and obviously Lafreniere is, you know, maybe not firing on all cylinders right now, but, you know, I just, it's one of those things where if, when you have an inconsistent team and you're kind of, you're not coaching for growth, you're coaching for the win, it's going to make things even more complicated. Because like you said, if they had lost this game, but it played well, you'd say like, you have something to build on. But, you know, if you're, if you're stringing along wins against teams, you probably don't deserve, it's going to come to bite you sooner rather than later and that's how bad habits develop you know what i mean and we talked about the fact that like the rangers tend to play down to their opponents and that's exactly what has happened you know i liked how they started uh the the second game last night's game they were great in the first period but then they just they flat out sucked every other period after that i thought honestly the only line that was i thought was pretty was actually trying to pressure was that kid line and you know uh we could talk about crafts off because he finally draws in the lineup his first nhl game I thought he acquitted himself quite nice. He used the speed well. He was on pucks. He's clearly much better away from the puck. You know, he was always kind of in the right spot. He didn't really have anything egregious. He almost got a goal off of a, he was going to the net. He almost got a nice goal off of a rebound, which, you know, Olmark made a great, Olmark was very good for Buffalo, by the way. He he really obviously helped. Uh, he was a big part of why they won because there were some chances where it could have been much higher, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought, that line had energy, but then again, you know, no cock. He's trying to get Kako minutes at o- in five on five, but not Lafreniere or Crafts off. And then, not again, not using any of them in OT, but then putting Kako in the shootout after not putting him in OT. Like, yeah, it's just it's inconsistency everywhere. The players, the coaching staff, and that's the thing. It's like it's if you want to have a unified message or front or direction, it is what it is. You you pick your lane and even if you take the criticism that comes with it. But if you're going to try to do too much and have your cake and eat it too, it's also going to be confusing. And kind of, I think it's going to, you're going to have one uh, hand fighting the other, if that makes any sense. So what, what did you think of Craftsoft's uh, uh, first, uh, first game in the blue, white, and red? Well, I think automatically when, when you, you had Craftsoft, you know, penciled into the lineup, I think every Ranger fan thought two things. There was the initial excitement, and then there was the initial worry that he was going to get the treatment that Lafreniere and Kako has, has had with, uh, you know, David Quinn. So I was, you know, very concerned about his playing time. But I thought, you know, he played, a, I think, what, like 10 minutes and something like change. And I thought he made the yeah. most of, of his time on the ice. I mean, he certainly wasn't a reason why the Rangers didn't w- ultimately win the game. I mean, he had a a beautiful chance at the end of the game to to uh, get a goal. And, you know, Allmark, credit to him, you know, he played an amazing game. Uh, he kept Buffalo yeah, in it save there. and made a, you know, dynamite save, you know, to keep, you know, Buffalo Sabres alive. So, you know, I, you know, I was very pleased with him. But, you know, there's a part of me also that is like, no matter how well this kid really truly plays, I think ultimately his minutes will be limited. He'll play no more than, you know, third line you know, minutes and, you know, it is what it is. I can't get too excited with crafts off, but, you know, just having him in the lineup and him playing NHL games is a plus. And for him to get experience after playing in the KHL, I think it's really important. And, you know, he's, 
what had like about two weeks off now without playing a, a single game. So, you know, maybe it will take it, you know, him a couple games to get, you know, fully adjusted and, and feeling comfortable. And I'd like to see, you know, what he can do, you know, when he's in the lineup every single night. So, um, yeah, certainly exciting. And, and, you know, watching the kid line do some good things out there was certainly exciting. And, you know, ultimately the Rangers didn't win the game. So it left a little sour taste in my mouth. But, you know, if you're looking at the future and you're looking uh, for, you know, some progression with the New York Rangers, I can't think that you should be any bit worried or anything but excited uh, for the future of this hockey team. Um, you know, I do, I do want to talk to you about the kids and development and David Quinn. And, you know, I, it's clear that Quinn is probably right now playing to make a run for the playoffs, which is why he's limiting, you know, minutes of Lafreniere because, you know, at the end of the day, you can't really trust him fully to you know play both sides of the puck and still be able to turn it on and 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 provide some offense and he's going with his horses which I have no problem with at all and I have no problem with limited minutes for Lafreniere my whole thing is you know with Quinn is his consistency in coaching you know some players don't really provide anything and you seem to they seem to be rewarded and then some players you know, seem to, you know, be effective every game. And, you know, they have trouble getting in the lineup like Julian, you know, Gauthier, he's the GOAT, baby. You know, he's played some really good games and then he's out of the lineup the next day. So, you know, for me, it's just to see consistency. I hope David Quinn can, you know, look at this lineup and say, you know what, I'm going to take pride in having these young kids play third line minutes. I'm going to tell them to keep their game simple, you know, play defense first. The goals will come and you ride my horses when I need a goal. And, you know, that's all you can really do if you're David Quinn right now. Um, I think it's a little too late. You know, I think, you know, Zibanejad's, you know, cold start really prohibited the Rangers from really truly being in the playoffs. But there's a shot. I mean, there's, you know, there's a glimmer of light and hope right there for the Rangers. So, you know, you know, what are your thoughts? And, you know, I kind of want to know, like, what, what you, would you do with David if you're David Quinn? Well, you know, on the one hand, obviously, I'm very thankful that Artemi Panarin <laughs> is on this team and Adam Fox, for that matter, because and Strom. <laughs> those two were probably the only reason the Rangers even got any points out of that game last right. night. Um, yeah, I mean, Fox now another two. I think he's got another two assists last night, which so I don't know where if he's probably still third in defenseman scoring or he might even be second now, but he's coming up on Hedman pretty fast. Although it'll be hard to catch them if, you know, the Lightning keep just dummying teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, like to your point, James, is that um, and I think Kraftsoft figures into this with, you know, the, the kids have to get time. And I understand it's, that, that doesn't mean they have to get the same time as your top six. But they, you know, the, some of the, the past few weeks where they were, you know, Lafreniere's clocking seven to eight minutes, it's unacceptable. Like 10 minutes, it is what it is, at least enough time to make something happen. You know, I think the good thing about Kraftsov is right out of the gate with his skating and you can tell he's so much better away from the puck than he than he was. And yeah, I you could tell that he was kind of mentally adjusting to the speed of the game, but it's not like his skating wasn't good enough to keep up because it was because he's got such good pivot ability. It's just that kind of clocking your own, you know, internal rhythm to the speed of the game is a different thing. So, yeah, there were some times where he was kind of late to 
you know, to checks and things, but he also used his speed to come from behind and like get the stick on puck. And yeah, he was always in the right spot. And I, if anything, I thought he's shown, he showed his effort on back checks and things. I think that's something that Quinn, I think he alluded to and Quinn said it. Yeah. I liked his first outing. I thought he was, uh, you know, putting himself always in the right spot. And that's good because that I think is something that if he, if he sees that and he's playing with Lafreniere and Heedle, I think he'll, Quinn will be more, comfortable giving that line some ice time as opposed to sometimes you put if you put Gautier with them I think like I said the biggest thing is that if Quinn can trust that kid line to to be on the right side of the puck then they will get more minutes um you don't know if that means that'll translate to three on three OT but again you know a player like Kraftsoff wanting to see his speed in open ice I think could definitely help especially if you're confident that he can be on the right side of the puck and and not miss his assignments. So, but again, I think just all in all, like you said, kind of disappointing. And I think it's just the tale of this team this season. They have clearly have uh, promise and talent and an upward trajectory, but they're just too inconsistent right now. A little too young, still trying to adjust to, you know, and there's just some things that are kind of become unspoken the longer you're in this league. You know, and especially when you have that and a mixture of talent, those are the teams that are truly dangerous. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, the Rangers, they definitely have offensive talent and they can definitely put the puck in the net. And but at the same time, it's like when you play against a team like Buffalo, that's just tired of losing and trying to prove something to everyone, you know, their ownership, maybe future GMs if, if trying to get either the hell out of Buffalo or at least show they're part of the solution and not the problem. Yeah, the Rangers really were really on their heels last night, and you can't do that, you know. And and even though they came out flying in the first, I thought for the first ten minutes they were all over Buffalo, but then Buffalo just kind of took the tide over and just you know remained pushing and consistent and battled. And yeah, the Rangers started to get on their heels more. And like I said, at times it was only the kid line that was really pushing the tempo or trying. And like you said, Kraftsoff has that that extra effort play, which if it went in, that would have been an awesome first NHL goal, you know. Uh, especially, uh, you know, for everyone who is like question whether or not he could play a North American style game to the, to be in front of the net like that, go to the net and then, you know, try to have a second effort uh, falling whack on an open cage. You know, that that was a great chance. So uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like we've spoken about this before. Obviously, they're trying to push for the playoffs, but you just kind of get the sense that unfortunately they gave up too many points early on. You could obviously argue if they were at their point in their development that they are now at the beginning of the season, they probably were, are in a playoff spot right now, especially with the way like Boston and Philly has struggled as of late, right? But they're not, and that's not, you know. Uh, so it sucks, but it kind of is what it is, and they have to at least keep trying to push for the playoffs, even if it's in futility or it's just not going to happen, but they have to at least try. But yeah, it's kind of stinks to see them. I mean... You know, I take salsa the fact that they were able to get uh, three out of four points in these games, but the fact that they probably, you know, none of it was decisive against a team that's, you could argue, one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, it's, it doesn't ex- exactly inspire confidence. No, not at all. And, you know, it's so frustrating because you do look at the pieces that we have and you kind of look at our division, right? And you have Boston, who's certainly underperforming. You have Philadelphia, who's. You know, they're the definition of underperforming and, and you know, they're going through their own struggles right now. And I can only imagine being a Philadelphia Flyer fan because I feel like even though the Rangers and Flyers are in the same exact spot, I'm 
I'm feeling a lot better about the Rangers being where they are than the Flyers being where they are, um, especially because a lot of people, you know, penciled the Flyers to be at the, like the top of the standings. And then you look at, you know, Pittsburgh, I think they're a little bit of a shock, uh, you know, where they are. And they just seem to, you know, every year find these pieces to, you know, put together a, a very well-rounded roster. And it's so frustrating being, you know, the Rangers stuck in this division where, there are so many complete teams and you do have to, you know, compete against, you know, some of the top teams in the league in order to, you know, get a playoff spot. And the Rangers still are in a rebuilding phase, but you see them compete, you know, day in and day out. You see them, you know, blow the leads at the end of the game and you're like, well, man, if we only just, you know, won three of those games, look at where we'd be. And I think that's the frustrating part is constantly comparing yourself against teams that will ultimately be fighting for a Stanley Cup and saying like we're right there like what's wrong with us why can't we and then you know then automatically the argument becomes you know if Lafreniere was actually ready to play in this league and you know you know Kako is not developed the way he has uh you know as other stars have in this league and you know we start pointing fingers at this young young kids coming into this league and saying look at they're not the all-stars that McDavid or Eichel are you know, we're wasting our time, we're wasting our years and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know, man, I, maybe we're not ready to compete. You know, we're not consistent enough to be competitive with the, you know, the Capitals and the Islanders and the Penguins, you know, and it's just, it's tough. It's tough being a Rangers fan right now because you look how far we are and you're like, we're not that far away. But then you look at our roster and it's like, I don't know, man, are, are we really competitive are we you know are we built right now to win these hockey games and I don't know a part of me see the sees these blown leads and and sees the New York Rangers as a as a you know uh, a, a work in progress and unfortunately I don't think we have the coaching staff to really put us over the top and you know I'll ask you this Andy too you know you look at the Islanders right and you look at their roster and then you look at the Rangers roster you go up and down the Islanders roster, it's nothing special, but they do have a coaching staff that has a system. They have a group that buys into it and they know their role and they do their job every night and, and they have success. I mean, they're 15, one and two at on home ice. Like that's unbelievable. The Rangers, man, you know, they struggle with an identity. Uh, they struggle with consistency. It's like they're the total opposite, yet their rosters are almost you know, I'd say identical in terms of strength. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I mean, the Rangers have more high end pieces, but at the same time, you know, it's even carrying players like Matt Martin, Clutterbuck, Leo Komarov, uh, Ross Johnson, you know, they, when you're well coached and especially if you're experienced and you're confident, it's like right. you can seamlessly, cause listen, Barzell is finally becoming, you know, the player that was promised. He's, and this is coming off the back of he's had struggles under Barry the last few seasons because it's just his up tense tempo style and his Barry's like defensive first, always kind of like playing off a good structure. It was difficult for him to find out, but he, it finally clicked. And now he's, you know, he's been excellent this season. And that's the thing. He's figured out how to, you know, create offense out of good structure and good defense. Well, I don't want to interrupt you, but I mean, who did Barry Trotz do that with his last team? Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. 
And I think he and was he got a Stanley Cup. That was I've never, you know, and I think even since then, Ovechkin has, you know, I don't think he's playing as good defense. You know, he's getting older, but he's not. I've never seen Ovechkin play as well defensively as he did in that season. They won the cup where he was actually really committed and on back checks and things of that nature, because I just it felt different. It felt special and they knew, felt they could do it. Um, but yeah, and I mean, listen, that's the thing. You have a player like Oliver Wallstrom, who was taken right after Kraftsoff is you know, finally makes it to the National Hockey League and he's had some success there. He's I think he's got like 15 or 16 points since um, coming to the, you know, getting uh, making the team a, a few months ago. And yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that it's a conduce if one, if you know what your role is. And that, I think that's the biggest thing is that when you know what your role is or to play. It's very easy for you. You know what I mean? You're not second guessing yourself. You're not thinking, do I have to do more of this or more of that or figuring things out? Or you just know what you're expected to do. And that just makes it easy. Hence why, you know, that fourth line of Sezikis, Clutterbuck and Martin is so hard to play against, even though on paper, I'd say Sezikis is the only one of them I think is really worth a damn. But I don't know if it's the aura or just the effort and just it works. It just works for them. You know what I mean? And because, you know, I'm looking at, on daily faceoff, they have all their players ranked. You know, Barzell is the highest ranked player on the, on the team, and he's it's he's the number tw- ranked as the number twenty center right now. You know, in the league. So, so yeah, it's just greater than some of those parts. You could obviously argue Pollock and Pelic have been one of the best pairings, if not the best pairing in the league. Uh, ironically, so is Fox and Lindgren. Um, but yeah, I mean. Nick Letty, Scott Mayfield, you know, a rookie in Noah Dobson and Andy Green, who's older than, than Sin, you know, <laughs> older than Dirt. But they just everyone knows what their role is and they're well coached. And, you know, I, I do I as when I get frustrated, at least with this Rangers team, I do try to take solace in the fact that they have they have been much better defensively. Yes, they have their laps and they they mentally crumble sometimes and give up goals. But for the most part. They are so much better at least hanging five on five and, and keeping their structure than they were. And even looking at the rookies, I think Lafreniere, Kako, and you know, it's only one game, but Kraftsoff, I think they've all defensively have never really looked lost or out of place like they some of them did last year, you know, or at least Kako did last year. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's one of those things that it's going to, you know, you don't see the the burst so much, but you just, you know, as they, maybe the trajectory becomes slower, but then in the end you get a player, especially in Kako, like, you know, the amount of takeaways he has and how defensively he's just getting better and better and how much better his skating has gotten. Like, I do wonder, can he become, I had never, would never have penciled him in this, but can he become one of the better two-way centers? I mean, excuse me, two-way wingers in the league. Like maybe he doesn't become like, you know, an offensive juggernaut, but imagine he becomes a 30, 30, uh, winger who's one of the best two-way wingers in the league. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah, and that's a that's the type of player you win with, like a Marion Hosa type, you know. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, these these they're these kids are not there yet, but at the same time, you hope that even though it's this learning to crawl before they can walk will ultimately make them better players, or then you don't get the thing. Because how many stars in this league? They're like, oh, you know, they're a good, reg- they're a regular season superstar, but then they get to the postseason, they fade into the wallpaper because they can't play defense, they can't play within structure, they can't play through tight checks. You know what I mean? So, yeah, something to think about. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of players, and especially the smaller players like uh, Johnny Gaudreau yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, you look at the Calgary Flames, uh, you know, all those years they did so well, and you know, they're kind of just built for the regular season. And you get to the playoffs, you play a heavier hitting team like, you know, the Jets and and St. Louis and. 
you know, that Western Conference has so many teams that are able to play that physical game and, and have success. Uh, and then, you know, you get all-stars that turn into absolute duds in the playoffs. And, you know, it's certainly frustrating. And, you know, I'd rather have Kako play a game, play a two-way game, play a physical game, strong along the boards, be able to play that, you know, physical, protect the puck along the boards, hockey, and and kind of make plays off of, you know, uh, coming out of the corner with his burst of speed, then have a, you know, a kid that, you know, puts up, you know, 75 points and then gets into the playoffs and, and has, you know, three in, in 12 games, you know, um, you know, so I think long-term this is all healthy and this is good. Uh, I just, I just worry about the lack of identity as a team, you know, at the end of the day, this league is an X's and O's. And if you look at the coaches that have success in the postseason, they're not teams built on effort. They're teams that are built off of a system. And, you know, Trotz is like the definition of that. I mean, he's an X's and O's guys, defense first. We're just going to suffocate you. And, you know, we have the offensive power to, um, you know, to turn and go and, and score off a rush. And, you know, I think the Islanders, you know, I hate saying this, but they're like a perfect team for Trotz to, to coach because there there's no ego on that team. And you look at you look at him and how he handles Barzell you know, he can handle him because he's yeah. done it with Ovechkin. He, he benched him. Has, he got benched a couple times in the last few seasons, but you look at where he's at now and it's clearly was for the better, you know, and I'm sure he'll, he'll be exactly. the first to admit that. I mean, look at the games that Barzell has had, you know, since the benching, it's just unbelievable. He's like a highlight reel everywhere he goes. And, you know, I think Trotz loves that. I think Trotz loves the fact that, you know, not only can I get this whole team to buy in, buy into this defensive structure, but now I can, you know, frustrate this, this my opponent, and then I have a player like Barzell who I can say, you know, hey, the leash is off, go go at them, go at them, and then you know teams are like, what the hell, you know, you just see the burst of speed down the ice, and players are like, you know, looking like squirts out there trying to trying to stop this kid, you know, it's just you know not to sit here and just praise the Islanders, yeah. but you know, it's like that's what I want to be, you know. Andy, it's this team, man. It's so, so frustrating sometimes. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Sabreland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players, and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next to Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres exciting stuff so make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media on facebook and instagram at straight up sabers and on twitter at straight sabers yeah and i know we've spoken about this before with uh, david quinn you know the difference between him being mr right and mr right now and i'm not really quite sure how jeff gordon and the front office view his timeline matching up with his team but it really does feel like the expectations truly start next season so you know i don't think you're going to see uh a coaching change this summer 
I mean, it might happen. I'd be surprised, but I think really it's a lot of it's his future does hinge on next season because then, you know, there's no more integrating new parts or teaching, you know, quote unquote, teaching Lafreniere and Kako and Kravtsov into this lineup. You know, it's at a point you're going to realize, you know, Mika and because this team kind of feels like they have two windows. They have the window while Panarin and Mika and Kreider are in their prime. And then you have the window when Kako and Lafreniere, if they become what they're supposed to become, are, you know, in their prime, right? So uh, if they want to take advantage of this first window, which I think they should, to be honest, because I've seen there's been a lot of debate of whether or not it's like, do the Rangers just kind of, you know, just load up, load up to ensure, you know, long, the longevity of, um, you know, Kako and Lafreniere and just what their future might be look like when it's their team. But at the same time, it's just, it's nothing is really given, you know, there's plenty of talented teams that just don't seem to be able to, or that have some good pieces that just can't get it, you know, make the playoffs. So I think while you have a, a talent like Panarin and while Zabanajad is, yeah, playing the way he's playing, at least for the time being, and Buchnevich just who is finally seems like he's put it all together and Fox has established himself, you know, as currently second in, in league scoring for defensemen, only three points behind Hedman or two points, I forget. But um yeah, I think they their next season you're gonna the expectation is they have to make the playoffs, you know, because Boston will be another year older. The Islanders will be, an, even though they're well coached, will be another year older, and you have to wor- wonder about the, you know, what happens to unless they can seamlessly change in parts with under trots. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, Pittsburgh, Washington, all these teams are kind of this is it. This is kind of they're getting their last couple of kicks at the can before you know some of the younger teams, especially the Devils, who are maybe you argue a few years behind us, uh, maybe one or two seasons behind us, can you know sooner or later they're going to be knocking as well because they're rebuilding and have some good young pieces and are putting it together but yeah i think uh for quinn the hot seat really you know or at least the the heat really gets turned on for him next season so um yeah it's as it's frustrating at at times because like i think most people understand that he's not going to be the guy to lead them to a stanley cup but at the same time it's like you know i don't know it's like if we let's say we had a time capsule in the beginning uh, when we started this podcast and said, what are our expectations? And we said, the Rangers are inconsistent and they have good flashes, but they just miss out, which I think is kind of what we said, or we, we thought they could just get in. And they just, I don't know if it's not, wouldn't be too far off from expectation. It's just watching it take place. It's a little different when you watch, it's like, Oh, Lafreniere is only getting seven minutes of ice time and is not a, you know, not going to be a 40 point rookie and all these other things. Yeah. It just kind of, it does create heavy doubt, but yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's tough to say if it's one of those things where you just kind of trust the process. But then again, you look at Rasmus Dahlin, who has looked better in the last two games and he's looked all season, you know, under, uh, on a terrible Buffalo team with poor coaching under Kruger, but now he, they're playing an up-tempo style. And I thought he was one of their best skaters against the Rangers the last two games. And he's finally finding that confidence again. So it just kind of goes to show what, coaching can do for you right so yeah i don't i mean i don't know i certainly don't have all the answers but uh what yeah what are your thoughts on quinn his timeline and where yeah where do they go from here yeah i think you're exactly right you know when you say quinn is you know mr right now and 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 not exactly mr right and if you look at the future of the new york rangers and uh the windows that you speak about 
it, it's true and you know our window isn't right now if you look at our division if you look at the teams that are competing for Stanley Cups if you look out the if you look at the teams out west you know like Vegas and, and Colorado and you just look at their depth and their structure and their identity and you know whether it's you know an offensive prowess in, in Colorado and they can just score so many goals at will or if you look at you know Vegas who've you know they have strong goaltending they have uh you know they have depth they have you know good defense they just you know how to win hockey games and then you know you look at Tampa Bay who obviously won the Stanley Cup last season um you know they're again well coached they're well structured they're disciplined they score goals they just do everything they have one of the best you know defensemen you know in the National Hockey League and Victor Hedman and then they have McDonough to complement them and there's just you know so many things that the Tampa Bay had uh, you know, if you look at their success over the last, you know, few years and, and you look at their success going forward, they just plug in, you know, with Coleman, all the holes that they may have, they, they complement, uh, you know, every line with, you know, the players that fit that role so well. So, you know, and you look at the Rangers and the Rangers don't even have an identity right now. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm David Quinn, I got to know that my days are probably numbered here because, it's been a few years, although there's been, you know, a lot of roster change, you know, happening with this organization, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to establish an identity. And, you know, if he had the team playing physical hockey, or if he had the team playing a trap and playing structured defense, I would say, you know what, Quinn is the, is the guy, you know, he could help this team grow. But the fact that we needed to bring in another coach, uh, to establish that defensive structure, to teach us how to play in the defensive zone, kind of concerns me. And it's not like David Quinn is allowing, you know, this team to blossom offensively. I think he has some key pieces that he's lucky to have. But if you took away Mika, Mika's success last year, and if you took away Panarin, and you put just, you know, middle-of-the-pack players you know, I don't see this team winning many games overall. You know, they they would be competitive for sure, but they wouldn't win as many games as they have so far. So, to say David Quinn has done wonders with this team is too far fetched. To say he's been a complete failure is too far fetched. He's been Mr. Right, and he's doing his best with what he has. But right now, the Rangers show too many inconsistencies. They don't have an identity, and that's what you those those are the ingredients for a roller you know roller coaster type season and you know it, it is frustrating but you have to remember that if you look at all the teams that you know that should be you know a lot further along than what they are and you look at the Philadelphia Flyers and you say man they brought in Elaine Vigneault they had you know all this offense and and now you know they're struggling to win hockey games they're struggling to get points and and they might miss the playoffs for a team that you know both of us were like you know this team has it you know this team has all the ingredients to to win this division man they might not even make the playoffs and not only that you know the rangers might leapfrog them by the time the end of the year you know rolls around so you know as frustrating as it is i think you know we just got to be grateful that you know we've been lucky at the draft and gotten the pieces that we've had because although you know, to the fans' perspective, it might take a little bit longer uh, than we want, you know, for them to have the success. But if they can learn how to play defense, if they can learn how to play physical hockey and be strong along the boards and, and understand what it takes to, to win hockey games against good teams, I think we're going to be better for it in the long run. And, 
you know, and, you know, I'll kind of close up with a few questions that, you know, every Ranger fan should be thinking of is, you know, what do you do with Mika Zibanejad? You know, do you extend him and then try to bring in another complimentary 2C? You know, and then do you ignore Strom's success? You know, what do you think of Strom? And then you, on the def defensive side of the game, you know, you look at Truba. Do we try getting rid of that contract? Or, or do we, you know, appreciate what he brings come playoff time and in that physical presence that's definitely needed if you want to be successful in the postseason? So there's a lot of questions that the Rangers have to answer uh, over the next couple of years within this organization. But to say that we're in a bad spot or we're underperforming and we should be much further along, I think is nonsense. I think we're exactly where we're probably supposed to be. And we were blinded by the success of last year. And, you know, we just got to take this one step at a time and, and just be happy that, you know, we've, you know, you know, we've gotten to this point, you know, in terms of the luck within the draft picks, getting Kako, getting Lafreniere, uh, striking gold with Keandre Miller. And now, you know, we can see what we have with Vitaly Kravtsov. So, you know, let's take the rest of the season and, you know, hold on to that glimmer of hope for the playoffs. But, you know, also let's root for the development of our players. Uh, let's let's watch them not only try to, you know, put up some points, but play well-structured defense and, you know, learn the, you know, learn the game in, in every zone. Because I think that's the most important, you know, thing long-term for this team. So, you know, on to Pittsburgh. Let's hope we get two more points and, and maybe close the gap here and make a run. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at hockeypodnet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>